You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Payhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Media Mayhem Podcast. My name is Alex Streamer, as you heard in our kick-ass, amazing open. Uh, Mac Jones' weirdness has been the big story this week. We really spotlighted it on last week's show. Man, how ahead of the times were we. Last week, I spoke with Nesson's Dakota Randall about the Mac Jones smear campaign. On top of that, we had Ben Volen going with a hoax of a DM as proven fact that Mac Jones's attitude is a problem at Gillette Stadium. And then on Monday night, it really did seem like we had manifested a quarterback controversy. It took only two series. That's right. Just two series for the 65,000 plus fans at Gillette Stadium to boo Mac Jones. And then After the third and final series in which Jones threw the bad interception, granted, the Bears' safety made a great play, but it was a terrible throw going backwards into traffic. Jones booed off the field, zappy chants begin, and on the next series, series, Bailey Zappy was in there. Like I said, it's like we manifested a quarterback controversy. The temperature's been a bit cooler this week. Mac Jones is expected to start against the Jets on Sunday, though Bill Belichick still, for whatever reason, won't say that publicly. And my big takeaway, or one of my big takeaways from the debacle that was Monday night, is the absurd lengths that Belichick went to deceive everybody about this, including the ESPN crew. So early in the game, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman both say that both quarterbacks, Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, are expected to play. Then at halftime, Lisa Salters says she spoke to Belichick and he told her both quarterbacks are expected to play in the second half. What happened, of course, both quarterbacks did not play in the second half. Bailey Zappi stayed in the game. When asked why, Belichick has said on a couple of occasions that the game got out of hand. So he didn't feel like it was prudent to play Mac Jones in that scenario. I say BS. I say BS. If the game got out of hand, wouldn't that maybe be a spot to put him back in there? Shake off some of the rust? So Bill Belichick 
seemingly spent so much time and so much mental energy playing games with Mac Jones and Lisa Salters and the media at the podium and not enough time thinking about what was truly best for the football team. Because clearly what was best for the football team was not pulling Mac Jones after three series and then totally exposing Bailey Zappi. And you have to wonder, why is Belichick playing these games with Mac Jones? We still have the rumblings. Chris Sims said it this week, that something is wrong in New England. These were Chris Sims' comments on his uh, film review podcast, in which he, as you would suspect, reviews all the film. He says there's something going on in New England. Mac Jones has pissed them off. This is a real thing. I know it. And then you have all the data that the Patriots are running different plays for Bailey Zappi than Mac Jones, putting Bailey Zappi in play action way more than they're putting Mac in play action. That was the offense that worked successfully for Mac Jones last season. So what's going on here? There continues to be more smoke. Still not naming a starting quarterback, even though Mac Jones reportedly is expected to play and he did start Monday night. Something really weird is going on here. And all the mixed messages that Belichick is sending the media from Lisa Salters to your average beat guy really embodies that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Celtics season is underway, and we still don't know more information about Ime Udoka. Shocker. Man, oh man. I mean, (laughs) this broke well over a month ago and still pretty much nothing. Anyway, Jeff Van Gundy, despite the vacuum information, took it upon himself to vehemently defend Ime Udoka on a Celtics Heat ESPN telecast last week. Van Gundy said this, and I'll read verbatim. Quote, I want to make sure, because I feel very strongly about this, Ime Udoka, I don't know everything about that situation, but I know there's a way back, and I'm not condoning or condemning anything that he did. Like I say, I don't know anything about that situation other than Ime Udoka, I worked with for two years with USA Basketball. And he's proven, obviously, to be a terrific head coach. But beyond that, I know how he treated me. That's how I judge people. I think he's a terrific man. (laughs) I can bet you some ESPN execs were not thrilled that their lead NBA analyst has taken a pretty strong stance defending Ime Udoka without any of the facts being known. I mean, Jeff Van Gundy should have stopped the second time. He said, I don't know anything about that situation. If you don't know anything about the situation, maybe it's best to not comment on said situation. (laughs) Um, I mean, Van Gundy should know that how Ime Udoka treats him, a respected head coach himself, 
who's been around the game for a very long time, could be quite different than how Ime Udoka treats female subordinates. Van Gundy does realize those two things are mutually exclusive, right? That's how I judge people, how he treated me. We're really still saying that in 2022, that, oh, he was nice to me, another guy who's his peer. So there's no way he could have made unwanted comments or advances towards a female employee. Mm, Sorry, JVG. Those two things just don't add up. So Jeff Van Gundy, I would bet you, probably won't be speaking all that much about Ime Udoka going forward, at least until more of the facts come into play, because Matt Barnes said it 100 times worse than anybody had thought. As long as that's still out there, well, Jeff Van Gundy again may regret these comments in due time. So Dave Portnoy once again finds himself in the political crosshairs. A few weeks ago on the show, I spoke about his feud with Jason Whitlock and people on the right questioning Portnoy's masculinity, saying that Barstool now censors content, all that fun stuff. Well, he was in the thick of the culture wars again this week, trending on Twitter, in fact. Ooh, that's a big deal. For going after and denouncing Kanye West for his virulent anti-Semitism. However, some on the right dug up old Portnoy tweets in which he was jokingly promoting a Kanye 2020 presidential campaign. So how did this happen? How did Dave Portnoy and Barstool Sports continually find themselves in the middle of our increasingly weird and layered culture wars? Derek Robertson wrote about this very topic for Politico, and he was kind enough to join me on the show today to shed more light on it. That conversation is coming up right after this. It's a sports media mayhem. Thank you, as always, for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the show. As I was saying in the open, I'm very excited to have on Derek Robertson, who is a contributor and writer for Politico. And he wrote the piece this summer, his latest in kind of a series about Barstool sports and how they factor into these culture wars. The Barstool bros split over abortion could determine the future of the GOP. Derek, how are you? Welcome to the show. Good. Thanks, Alex. How are you? Yeah, no, it's good. Good to have you on. As I was saying uh, offline, I've enjoyed your work for a while. And uh, so I thought you were a great guy to have on this week to talk a little bit about Dave Portnoy, who was trending a few days ago for uh, disavowing Kanye West and then some uh, hard right trolls, if you will, dug up tweets of his from 2015 promoting Kanye 2020 shirts, which Barstool did sell. We had another back and forth. So this has been happening with some frequency with Portnoy. I spent a time, uh, some, some time a few weeks ago talking about his back and forth with Whitlock. So how has Dave Portnoy now found himself in this really kind of precarious weird position in our uh, ever-evolving culture wars if you will i think the most important thing to keep in mind when you think about portnoy and sort of the barstool sports brand and how it overlaps with public life and politics is that dave portnoy is not 
an ideological person. Right. Um, when I wrote about how I wrote an article uh, a couple of years ago called how Republicans are trying to become the barstool party. And I got literally hundreds of angry DMS and emails from stoolies saying like, you dumbass, like we're like Dave Portnoy is not a Republican. Uh, this is not a political media brand. Yeah. Which was not the point of what I wrote. The, the point of what I wrote was not to say that Barstool is a Republican brand. It was that Republicans were appropriating the aesthetic of Barstool. All of which is to say that uh, the best sort of heuristic for understanding when and why Dave Portnoy makes these kind of unpredictable political statements is that he is not guided by, like I think most people in politics, many, most people in media, he is not guided by a kind of ideology. He would probably no. not, I don't think he would describe himself as a right winger, certainly not a left winger. Um, but, you know, there's, it's, it's easy to say, uh, you know, he has spoken at length about why he supports abortion rights. Um, and then it's also, if, if you take ideology out of the question, it's easy to understand why he dislikes Kanye West so much. And not only why he dislikes him, but how he can, in a joking way, support the Kanye 2020 candidacy, which basically just as a bit, um, not as something where he supports Kanye's political stances to the extent that he has any. Right. No, exactly. And I think you nailed it in your article from the summer about the abortion issue, about how a lot of these rather apolitical uh, barstool bros uh, thought that, you know what? Yeah, I mean, you think that them allying with evangelical pro-lifers would be a weird fit. And it is. But to them, that was less visual. Uh, you know, that was less in their face than kind of the scolds on the left and the, you know, woke and all that. So it created this weird marriage that, as you mentioned, was not ideological. It was purely aesthetics. And I think now you're seeing the, ra the, the raptures, if you will, or the divide between the two sides. Yeah, I mean, I think that Dave Portnoy does not dislike Kanye West because he is like a fierce critic of anti-Semitism, although I'm not saying he is an anti-Semite. I'm, I'm saying that he, I think that probably the reason why uh, he was so willing to come out and denounce Kanye for this was that he hate, he doesn't like Kanye West because Kanye West has no sense of humor about himself. Uh, this occurred to me when I when I saw him making these statements. It reminded me of um, South Park mocking Kanye so ruthlessly. There's a certain kind of like libertarian leaning like jokester person yes. for, for whom the worst crime that you can commit is taking yourself too seriously. And right. no one in the world takes themselves as seriously as Kanye West. So when I when I sort of put it in that framework, it made me uh, it, it helped me understand the kind of like idiosyncrasies of, of how he thinks about this stuff a little bit more and how many of his fans do as well. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Right, and especially go back to a lot of the abortion stuff from the summer, which he was in the middle of too. A lot of these people on the far right, I think the Barstool Bros are finding, are quite humorless. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Explains it. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, Neil Gorsuch was not appointed to troll the left or to own the libs or to be politically incorrect. He was appointed because the Federalist Society thought he would be a reliable vote to overturn Roe versus Wade, which he did. Yeah. And like that, this was the point of the article I wrote, which is, you know, trolling in politics is effective uh, up to, and sort of like 
it, it takes you so far, but at some point, like policy is actually made. And I think right. that a lot of people who, as I wrote in the article, are otherwise uncomfortable with the Democratic Party, uncomfortable with the left, don't like them, want to own them in some way, are going to realize that the actual policies that the consequences that they reap are not quite as enjoyable as getting one over on the libs. <laughs> right. Not as enjoyable as a nice quote tweet. Yeah, I guess exactly. Say. Um, so where do you think Portnoy and the Barstool brand goes from here? Because there have been an interesting spot the last few years. He, of course, had to sit down with Donald Trump during the 2020 campaign, but he caught a lot of heat from some pretty high profile Barstool employees for doing that. Mm -hmm. And really since then, I think really since Penn Nationals purchase, they've been increasingly apolitical. And if you say more of a more regular corporate uh, type of thing with how they deal or not deal with politics. So where do you think that Portnoy and Barstool will try to position themselves going forward here? That's a really interesting question. You know, Penn Capital is not like, they're not like Disney, no, like, right. like, like they're not they're a gambling like, company, right? We should, yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. But, but there are certain sort of responsibilities and expectations that come with making more money. Um, you are right that they have largely pivoted away from, you know, I don't, I don't think that today, uh, if Trump called Portnoy and said, like, come down to Mar-a-Lago and interview me, I'm a little more skeptical that that yeah, would, I think they would Yeah. Um, I, I've been burned on this prediction before about other things, but if I had to make a guess, what I would say is that I would expect them to just engage with these issues less. Um, even as, you know, we launch into a presidential election cycle next year, you know, Barstool is very, I, I, I write about Facebook a lot now because I write a tech newsletter now and I write about, I write about, well, I guess Meta. Um, Meta is a very personalized company. And I think about that a lot where decisions flow from Mark Zuckerberg. And that's not entirely the case at Barstool, but still Portnoy is, you know, he's the man, like he's all president. Right. He's the face of the company. Right. And what he says represents the company. Yeah. And he has a lot of sway there, obviously. And I think that so to some extent, you kind of can't escape that um, trollish spirit. But right. I think it will increasingly be applied in directions that are... Uh, it will, I, I predict it will avoid politics because I don't think that, you know, who's going to be the standard bearer for the Republican Party going forward? It's either going to be Trump again or somebody like Ron DeSantis. But it actually does not matter who the individual is because it is now proven that the Republican Party, it, you know, this was always the case, but it is now painfully obvious that they are sort of institutionally dedicated to uh, restricting abortion rights, which right. is something uh, Portnoy has been really outspoken about. So I think it would be really weird if he was out you know like having a chummy interview with ron DeSantis in 2024 yeah. now you know stranger things have happened and people flip-flop and change their priorities all the time but my my prediction is a very long-winded way of answering your question which is to say my prediction is somewhat of a retreat from politics yeah as as we said it it was a aesthetic partnership not a partnership with any really shared set of values um and i think in general too you know from the other side of the political aisle when you talk about the blend and this is a very separate topic from Barstool. When you talk about the blend of sports and politics in particular. So I graduated college in 2015 and some of my earlier freelance work, I really pushed a lot of that sports politics intersection, you know, maybe some headlines now that looking back seem a little self-righteous. And of course we had Trump exploding then. And I think that even that kind of writing seemed very hot for a little bit early on in the Trump era, but now the constant, I just think more people, 
on both sides of the aisle. And I'm one of these folks used to be very, it now just really wants to recede from a lot of this stuff because as nasty as it was in 16, 17, 18, a, it's been seven years of this and it's even nastier and meaner to kind of wade into those waters now than it was previously. So I don't know, I think in general, we're seeing a lot of broad receding. I mean, ESPN on a much bigger scale, I think is a great example of this. I mean, how they've totally backed away from any sort of political leanings or really a lot of discussion about these social issues that they once had. I think I, I think I agree with that. I think one of the reasons I agree with it is that in large part, the people who were really fighting to sort of make sports coverage more politically focused or more right. ideolo- or more ideological Correct. have large, have largely won. I mean, like there, if mm. you look at the way we talk about sports today mm. and the way le- a league like the NBA or the NFL operate right. compared to 10 years ago, it's like night and day. Like if you told right. me 10 years ago that uh, NFL end zones would be emblazoned with the words end racism, right. I, would have, I would have said like, why, what happened? <laughs> like now right. we, we know what happened. Right. But, um, I, I think that a reason I, I, I agree with you that I think that people are becoming less strident in the way they uh, spotlight these issues in sports and media. But I think it's largely because they are now like they are now essentially baked into the way we talk about sports and media. Right. Um, you know, the the the, the, the Britney Griner story would have played completely differently 10 years ago than it does. Oh, today, yeah. And, and for good reason. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's correct. But I think it's a reflection of the landscape having shifted so much that like, yeah, we, it's now just the it's the climate now instead of the weather. If that yeah. makes sense. No, totally. And I think you see it very starkly in the NFL with even how we talk about contract negotiations between players, player health. I mean, now, even if you listen to sports talk radio and a talk radio host talks about how, oh, this player should just head back out there, play through the injury. Uh, they would even by sports talk radio standards today seem pretty atavistic. Totally. behind so i think that speaks to it right there about how much the discourse has changed in a lot of ways over the last decade yeah i'm i'm just barely old enough to remember what sports talk was like in like the 90s and like the <laughs> early 2000s and i there are probably a lot of people out there working in sports media who are really uh thanking their stars every night that their rant about like entitled black athletes is not getting dredged up <laughs> on twitter every day uh yeah talk about a different world uh, I think we find that, yeah, the early two, I mean, I just saw the Sex and the City episode again the other night where they, uh, you know, disavow bisexuality and they say that it doesn't exist. I go, oh, that, that would play a little differently today, I would think. Uh, Derek Robertson, Politico, you can read him online. Derek, how can the people find you on Twitter? Uh, my Twitter is at Afternoon Delete, like the song Afternoon Delight, except Delete. I somehow registered this before I became a technology reporter, so that's just a lucky, <laughs> a, st- a stroke of luck. All right, Derek, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Ellen.